What's up, virgins? Juan Sanchez here. Today, I just wanted to do a, a quick shout out to Jocelyn and Clarissa of Good Girls Go to Heaven. They got a podcast, they got a YouTube channel. Check them out on Twitter and Instagram. That's Good Girls Go to Heaven. Um, try typing it in with no spaces. But yeah, Jocelyn and Clarissa, uh, you guys were a couple of my earliest uh, supporters in my endeavors. Um, you know, you've supported and encouraged my uh, my wild antics and my buffoonery. So, yeah, that's just, that's cool. Um, keep doing what you do. You're doing the Lord's work. Million ex-girlfriends. Good girls go to heaven forever. Hola amigos, Juan Sanchez here, coming at you with the 24th episode of the Million X Girlfriends podcast, the only podcast guaranteed to cure infertility in women. Disclaimer, that statement is not um, evaluated or endorsed or scientifically backed in any way. Today I'm going to try talking about a couple of things that I wrote down because I've kind of forgotten why I started this podcast in the first place. There were things I felt had to be talked about or things I felt needed to be talked about. And it was a very interesting way for me to not only sort of get my thoughts out there, but also have a conversation with myself, I guess, and you know, whoever would listen to a 27-year-old man go crazy in his bedroom in front of his camera. And when I first started doing this, I wanted to tell stories or, or try to bring light to things I thought should have more attention on them. One of those things being minimalism. I'm not going to talk about that today, but um, I did want to take a moment to shout that out because that has been a big factor in my life over the last two years and I only really feel like I'm just starting to make some headway with that. I still don't consider myself a minimalist. I don't think I will ever be able to consider myself a minimalist, but it is something that I do practice. It does feel very freeing. It makes me makes you feel lighter to sort of pare down and uh, make make less cumbersome the things that you own. But that's that about minimalism. <clears throat> that's kind of like the first sub-bullet, I guess, whatever. The first bullet, the first topic I want to get into is, is something uh, big, and I'm just going to go in raw, no rubber, which is ironic considering the topic. Abstinence. I have, in fact, been abstinent since the summer, July of 2017. I have not had any sexual contact with any women. I think I've made out with one or two women here and there, but I haven't had any, any, I haven't done the pants off, dance off in a moment. And I'll admit it is it has felt enlightening it um one reason i felt like i needed to stop 
indulging in the pleasures of the human body, so to speak, was because I somehow or some way I came to a realization that emotionally I was not very mature or secure. And uh, there's just a whole bunch of issues about myself that I needed to fix. Issues that I still need to work on. And it's taken some time. It's been, you know, two and a half years now, I guess. Maybe over two and a half years. But I do feel like I'm finally starting to get somewhere with that. Like I'm starting to learn about myself. Like I'm starting to finally be able to love and take care of myself. <clears throat> And I think one, one part of that stems from, you know, when you're a young man, when you're growing up, when you're a boy, or when you're a teenager, you're just horny all the time. You just constantly have these primal monkey brain urges to just want to fucking rub your pee-pee up against things and you don't even know why. And when I finally did lose my virginity at the age of 18 it was simultaneously amazing but also not everything I expected it to be um in fact I'd say probably with this now it's not like it's not like I'm like a player or a ladies man or anything but you know I, I have had some sex along the way and I feel like there was an an ignorance of emotional knowledge going on because of it. So instead of taking the time to reflect and look at myself and wonder why I felt the way I felt about certain things or why I was in a certain uh, situation physically or emotionally <clears throat> instead of taking time to work on those things getting to know myself I would just try to you know uh, I, I would just try to take those frustrations out by you know trying to have sex with someone basically trying to use a woman's body to um to, to satisfy myself to a point where I didn't have to think about these things anymore. And that needed to stop. I, I started to see things from a romantic perspective and understand things from a romantic perspective and I started to realize what I was doing was not the life I wanted to live. So, you know, and there were also plenty of other things that played into it too. Um, I mean, I, I'm, basic, I'm basically just a 27-year-old frat boy who doesn't want to be held down by responsibilities or anything like that. So, you know, not having a relationship or kids, um, I, I have a certain amount of freedom. I have a certain sense of no one can tell me what to do. 
because of that. I mean, I wake up in the morning and I don't have to fucking look over and hear someone's nagging, fucking grating voice. Um, I don't have to worry about you know, or did you do the thing? Did the thing happen? Oh, there's the... Or having that boring-ass fucking conversation that you have with that person every day. You know, going to lunches and dinners because there's no spark left. And, again, I said, I'm a romantic, but love is putting in the work. Like, you're not just going to feel... A fire burning about each other for the rest of your life. Marriage, romance, love is basically that moment when you decide, alright, you and me doing the same bullshit every day for the rest of time, and sometimes we're going to hate each other, and sometimes we're not, and, and that's it, that's how we do. Yeah, dog, I'm afraid of that shit. And then, like... Maybe you have a kid with that person. And then everything you want to do is out the window. It's all about that kid from then on. And everything about you just comes second after that. And... I don't feel like I can live with that because I already feel like I came second my whole life. Like, I've never felt like a priority to anyone. So, I have to be a priority to myself. Like, I have to be the one to take care of and look after myself for the rest of forever. Like, no one's going to do that for me. Even if I do end up in a relationship, you know, sharing a, a living space with someone, um... They can't take care of me for me, you know. They can't be inside of my head for me. I'm the one who has to figure that out and handle that. And that's that's what's brought me to where I am today. And I'm hella appreciative of all that. I have gained a greater admiration and respect for women in my time away from you know, sex. Now, don't get me wrong, I still think about it a lot because I'm a 27-year-old guy who's in his physical prime. I mean, Christ, I can feel the testosterone just all the time. Um, if you do, if you do, if you work out your back and your legs as a man, that's when you release your most testosterone. Probably women too because women have, um, you know, testosterone levels just not as highly as men. So that might work for women too, I don't know about that. But I know for, for men, when you work out your back and you work out your legs, you produce a lot of testosterone. So that, in addition to the fact that I like to do push-ups push every so often, I'll try to do squats here and there, but you know, you like start to hurt after a while. But yeah, I mean, I'm a 27-year-old dude who just wants to, you know, my biology, my, my biology, my body is just like, Fuck! Make a baby! And I'm basically doing what I'm doing now. I'm staying abstinent so I can 
avoid that responsibility that I just do not want to have. I can wake up in the morning and shoot a video if I want to. I can wake up in the morning, I can put The Office on if I want to. I can wake up in the morning, smoke a big joint, make a cup of coffee, pet my dogs, say hello to my cat. You know, I can do that shit and I just don't have to worry about someone expecting something of me. And that's fucking amazing. Do you know how many people fantasize about having that? Do you know how many people in relationships fantasize about being in my situation? I am just so appreciative that I, I'm taking a second to just realize now that it's like this is what I've created for myself. This is what I've cultivated for myself. And my God, it's fucking amazing. I haven't even looked at my notes once. That was just all off the dome. If I get married before I'm 30, I'll have, I will have rushed into marriage. I wrote that down. Here we go. Existential dread. This sort of relates, I guess. Um, we're all fucking each other like jackrabbits. Making babies we don't want. Uh, with people that we hate. When most of us are just adult babies ourselves. Sometimes I seriously hope for a children of men style world where the human race becomes infertile. Kids are special. No, they're not. Pretty much anybody can make one. And if you can't, don't sweat it. There's always adoption. Plenty of kids need good people to take care of them because pieces of shit like me either can't or won't choose one. But yeah, that's just how I feel about all that, you know, sex and abstinence and children, responsibilities, taking care of oneself. You got to work on you before you can be there for anyone else. You got to be there for you before you can be there for anybody else. That's what I believe. And as selfish as it sounds, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I might pull a John Stamos and have kids when I'm like 54 or something, and I'd be fine with that. But I don't know what the fuck I'm racing towards. You know, what? oh, what, what happens if I don't have it done by 30? Is somebody going to fucking shoot me in the head when I'm 30? If I'm not married with kids and a fucking successful job by then, someone's going to come hunt me down and go, hey, you didn't get, you didn't fulfill all these checkboxes in life and you're 30, plow, you're dead. No, that's not going to happen. You know, barring some tragic mistake, like, you know, a Kobe Bryant, you know, rest in peace, 41 way too young that dude probably had plenty of plans but things like that are the exception they they are the exception they're they are they are rare think about it there's seven billion seven billion point eight million people on the planet right now or something like that it's just it's just so fucking rare and there's so much time if you just take care of yourself I don't know. I'm I'm heavily heavily optimistic. So All right. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to do a little bit of like a, a parlay. I'm going to do the music segment, 
But first, I'm going to do this little transition segue thing. Recently, I have been trying to develop this new content consumption schedule that I call the protein content schedule. I stole it from Henry Rollins. I saw him in an interview on Joe Rogan's podcast. He said that basically Monday through Friday, he tries to listen to new stuff that he's never heard before. And then on the weekends, he you know listens to the old classics, the stuff he's liked since he was a kid. <clears throat> so that's that's what I've been doing. I've been watching new TV shows and movies and listening to new music Monday through Fridays, trying to expose myself to things I just haven't heard before. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I spend time watching, you know, TV shows I've seen before, movies I've seen before, and listening to music I've seen, uh, listening to music I've listened to before. I've got just five randomly assorted songs here that I've been listening to lately that I want to talk about. So I'm just gonna go through the I'm just gonna go through these gauntlet style. The first one is a song by Keanu Lede called "Mad at Me." This is a uh, smooth mid-tempo R&B trap song where she uses this husky, sultry yet vulnerable vocal style. Um, the contour, the contours. <laughs> The chorus contains an interpolation of the Outkast song "So Fresh and So Clean." I just, I just think that's really cool. This is this song's a little bit on the short side. It sort of gets in and gets out. It uses its it, it you know it, it's fine enough. It, it's it's good while it's on. It's probably good that it doesn't last any longer. Uh, the next song is by a singer called Isla, spelled I Y L A. It's called Juice, and it's off of her Warren Raindrops EP. I was introduced to this by my good friend, Emily Branch. Um, the off-kilter main keyboard melody on this song plays into the theme of being caught off guard. Uh, the, the lyrics um, in the song seem to be about being caught off guard, having deep, passionate feelings about someone, like romantic. Um... There's this cool little violin flare that comes in and accentuates parts of the melody and complements Isla's voice really well. It's a nice touch, and it isn't too, too intrusive, considering that every time I think, hey, is that a violin I'm hearing? It's already, it's already, you know, gone. Like, it, it's a nice little accent to the music that, that, uh, just check it out. It's a good song. Juice by Isla. The next song is by Fifth Harmony alumni Dinah Jane. It's called Retrograde. This song seems to be about a relationship that's failing, basically over, but still playing that on-off routine. With lyrics about still being friends with the person's mother and wanting the smoke, Dinah is confrontational, confident, and a little toxic, and I'm loving it. I really like this song, and I think Dinah might be my favorite member of Fifth Harmony, uh, you know, post-breakup. Because I did like Normani's I did like Normani's Motivation single that came out, you know, a couple of months ago. But it did feel very pop, very pop-friendly, very radio-red- very radio ready. I can't get my words together tonight. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, because it was a very fun, bouncy, bubbly song. But when I heard Retrograde, there was a certain darkness, there's a certain, there's a certain grittiness about it that is just that's unsettling and yet so perfect at the same time. I fucking love it. Check this song out. Next song is by Young Thug. It's called Hop Off a Jet featuring Travis Scott and it's from its and it's and it's from his So Much Fun album that came out uh, a couple of months ago. I like the off-kilter steel drum synth melody on this track. I like Thugger's flows on the second verse. The beat is nasty as fuck. It reminds me of something from Die Lit by Playboy Cardi. I think probably one of the only problems I have with this song is that Travis Scott only contributes one or two lines on each chorus with the occasional ad-lib for good measure. There's nothing wrong with that. However, I do feel like if you aren't going to showcase him with his own verse or hook, then why even include him? Like, he... he it's fine. It's a good song. I just, I just wish for a song that says featuring Travis Scott, it just had more Travis Scott. Like, I, I don't hate Travis Scott, so, you know, if you're going to include him, fucking include him. And then the last song I want to talk about is by Poppy. It's called Fill the Crown, and it's from her new album, I Disagree. This song feels like it could have been written in the late 90s or early 2000s. Uh, I love the 16th note hi-hat breakdown interludes with the squeaky limp biscuit guitars. The main passages of the song have an intense head-banging rhythm, and it sounds like it's got backing vocals from Marilyn Manson. Now, I'm not entirely sure, but the backing vocals are very dramatic. They're very well-acted. Like, they're, they're intense in the way that Marilyn Manson is. I don't listen to too much of his music. I never really have been a big fan of him, what with the image and everything. Um, it was just a little bit much for me when I was a kid. But he does have a, he does have a very unique style of vocal, and it just sounds like him. And the, Boys in the chill. He's like overtracking himself a couple times. It sounds like again. I don't know if it's Marilyn Manson. Whoever the singer is is uncredited on the album. There was a rumor that it was Ghost Mane for a bit, but that was debunked by Poppy herself on Instagram. So, you know that's cool. And also speaking of Ghost Mane and Poppy, apparently they started dating recently. That's fucking strange and weird but uh you know what i just never would have expected that because i've listened to both of them for a moment um i think ghost Mane, his birth name is eric but i think ghost Mane is an attractive dude he just has all these tattoos all over his face that just really fucking ruin ruin you know what i mean like he's he's a good looking dude like he's a good looking dude but he's just got tattoos all over his face and that just kind of ruins it and, um, you know, Poppy's pretty attractive herself, and I just, I, well, she's too skinny, but you can, like, practically see her bones. But other than that, you know, so, that's funny. Yeah, they, they seem like they'd be cute together. They seem like, you know, well, it's whatever. I think that's cool. If they are, you know what I mean? I, I am, I fully, I fully fuck with that. Like, that's fucking awesome. But, yeah, so those are the five songs that, uh, you know... Those are the five songs that I wanted to talk about. 
Now I'm going to go off dome for a little bit. I'm just going to go 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 off the off the top of my head. All right, so let's do the TV segment. So I was a big fan of you season one. <clears throat> I've talked about it before on this podcast. I've talked about it before on this YouTube channel. If you're watching the, the, you know, the video. I really liked the first season of that show. I thought it was a lot of fun. And then season two came out and I was looking forward to that. Partly because I like season one so much, but also because I follow Chris D'Elia on Instagram and I follow his podcast. And he said that he was going to be in that show and I was like, no fucking way. That sounds amazing. I never expected one of my favorite comedians to be in one of my favorite, you know, th- uh, crappy little Netflix thriller TV shows. That's cool. So I checked it out, and uh, spoiler alert, it does not end well for him. But, yeah, I, I really liked season two of You overall. Um, it would have been very easy to try and replicate the formula from the first one, which they do to a certain extent. But also, when it gets to that, when it gets to the, the, the show is smart enough, the writers are smart enough to, if they are going to copy something from the first season, find a way to try and flip it on its head and give it to us from the other angle. Like, for instance, um, you know, Joe's been trapping people in that glass box for Lord knows how long, and at one point... Uh, we find out that Love herself is actually pretty crazy and will murder a motherfucker, like, no questions asked. And she has Joe trapped in his own glass box. And we're literally seeing it from, like, even though, you know, even though it's, like, Joe, like, we understand, like... Okay, we always understood how Beck felt when she was in the glass box at the end of season one. But... When we see Joe live it, when we see Joe think that he killed Delilah, there's a certain amount of acceptance that washes over him. And then when he finds out that love is just as crazy, if not crazier than him, he does have a despairing moment. He he does. Like, he doesn't know how to reconcile with this new information. And I uh, I thought that moment was really cool. I really liked how the last couple of episodes of that season did try to be, like, different things entirely. There was uh, the episode where Joe goes on an acid trip with 40, and that's, like, a fun little... I, I It would be too easy to compare it to Fear and Loathing, but, yeah, it does have a little bit of, like, a, a Fear and Loathing uh, flow to it has these like cartoony bits there's one scene where he runs into love and he totally does not expect to run into her especially while he's all fucked up on acid and he's got a woman trapped in a glass box (laughs) and uh it's hilarious all of a sudden he's talking to her and then just like they like cgi enhance her eyes to get like super big she's looking at him with like puppy dog eyes and he's like the voiceover's like 
fuck, I cannot do this right now. <laughs> I thought that was fun. And then at the end of that episode, he walks in and he had just Delilah trapped in the glass box. And uh, Delilah is, is dead at the end of the episode. And then the next episode is called literally called P.I. Joe. Um, it's like a private, it's like a private eye detective episode where, you know, he's trying to figure out how, um, Delilah died. And then towards the end of that episode, uh, Candace, his crazy ex-girlfriend, well, I shouldn't say crazy. He did, in fact, think he murdered her. He knocked her out at one point and through flashbacks we're told pretty much she didn't die. He buried her, and then she's, like, trying to come back and, like, get revenge against him and get one over on him and, you know, get him arrested and shit. But she's written so badly. She's written She's written so badly. Like, for some reason, she has a vendetta. Instead of playing it logically and being a smart character, she has a vendetta against Joe, and she's just going to bring him down. She's like, oh, I'm not going to call the cops on you. I'm going to face you. I'm going to show you exactly who you are. Anyway, she gets him trapped in the glass box, and then fucking... So there was this great scene. This scene where Love walks in, and she sees, you know, Candace has Joe trapped in the glass box next to Delilah's dead body. And Love is all like, oh my god, tell me you didn't do this. And then Joe's all like, I did it. And then Love goes stumbling down the hallway, and she throws up and leans on a trash can. And I said to myself, hmm conveniently placed trash can and then candace walks up on her like oh my god love are you okay and all of a sudden love pulls out a fucking fucking thing glass bottle and just slits that bitch's throat dude i almost felt bad for candace because Hey, I did not expect that shit that was amazing when i first saw that i was like oh shit Oh, shit. <laughs> dude, that was some gangster shit, dude. That fucking hippie white chick just fucking pulled a glass bottle and said, Kill the bitch. <laughs> and then, like, in the next episode, they do, like, a Breaking Bad moment where they show the dead body in the car <laughs> for, like, a second or two. It's, like, so disrespectful. Um. Yeah, man. Love. Played by Victoria Pedretti. I did not like this character at first. I liked the actor, oddly enough. I liked what Victoria Pedretti was doing with the role. The problem is the writing wasn't very good. I wolf you. Fucking rar is how you say I love you in dinosaur. <laughs> rar XD LOL. <laughs> I wolf you. Get out of here with your fucking 2007 emo shit. Sean C. actually said something hilarious about that. He was like, lady, you're 30. Like, don't say that. But yeah, I didn't like the love character at first. And then 
once she killed Candace, I got it. Oh, she's just as crazy as Joe. And that's when this show really starts to kind of turn inside out because, like, the whole season you're thinking, like, okay, there's, okay, there's got to be consequences. There's got to be, like, you know, Joe's going to get caught. There's going to be something bad's going to happen, man. And it fucking never does. <laughs> like, like, nothing bad ever comes. I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. There is that scene where Forty does, in fact, try to confront Joe and kill him and then Forty gets shot by the cop which was that moment was just a little bit too cheesy for me I do love a good soap operatic melodramatic moment but that was just a bit too much for me like the fake like Penn Badgley falls to the ground and there's like blood on his face and his eyes are closed and I'm like show what who the fuck do you think you're kidding? I know he's not dead. Like, it, it was just like, you didn't need to do that. <laughs> it was just so, like, corny and over the top. I was like, Forty's obviously dead. He just turned the gun on himself or something. And, you know, it turns out it was that cop that was fucking Delilah earlier on in the season. But, yeah, yeah, I didn't... So I guess I guess 40 is the only person that anything really goes bad for. But J Joe and Love pretty much get away with every terrible awful thing they did. It turns out that Love's parents have pretty much been covering for all this murder the whole time because they're just so crazy rich, influential, affluential white people that they just have the money to just be all like be gone. Be away with it. The Chris D'Elia's character gets murdered by Joe by accident. But still, Joe does kill him. And they just, they make that go away. Yeah, man. Just everything, everything just goes away. Delilah's death goes away. Um, Ellie goes away. Ellie's forced to fucking run away to a whole new state or something. And... I almost did... I didn't know who who to feel bad for. Ellie is Delilah's younger sister. I didn't know who to feel bad for in that scene because Joe was trying to do the right thing, but also, like, Ellie was right to fucking hate Joe. Like, all this bad shit came into her life pretty much because of him. And now, due to, like, no fault of her own, she has to fucking pick up and leave town. I don't know. But yeah, those are those are I guess those are just some general what do I have any other thoughts on that show? Nothing specific that I could think of at the moment. A lot of the new characters are fun. I really did like uh the new friend group. They introduced another friend group similar to how Beck had her friend group in season 1, but um those the the loves friend group they were all actually good. the the funny thing the inverse this time was that in season one Beck was actually a good person who was just kind of you know a little bit selfish and naive and then her friends were all kind of like the 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 manipulative ones with the ulterior motives 
the flip this season is that, you know, Love is the crazy bad guy and all of her friends are the normal, well-adjusted people. Well, as normal and well-adjusted as L.A. would leave one. That's right. This season takes place in L.A. for seemingly no reason. In, in the first episode, Joe says, In order to get away from somebody who knows you, you have to go somewhere they wouldn't expect you to. L.A. Because he's trying to run away from Can Candace. Because she confronts him at the end of season one. So he runs away to LA to try and hide so he runs away to from New York to LA to try and hide from Candace. He runs from New York to LA to try and find Candace. Sorry, I'm thinking of this as I go. Okay, fine. But then in the voiceover he explicitly mentions hide out, save some cash. You're going to hide out in LA and try to save some cash. How? LA is not where you go to save cash. <laughs> Unless you get a really good job, you're not saving any cash. And all Joe did was work at a fucking at a fucking grocery store or whatever. But those are logistical things that you're supposed to overlook because, you know, it's it's a soap opera. Like it's a soap opera filled with attractive people. And goddamn, a lot of these people are fucking hella attractive. Like, Penn Badgley is a whole snack in this season. Um, he definitely beefed up for for season two. I The only reason I noticed it was because they kept putting tight white t-shirts on him that showed off how puffy his pecs were. And I just think it's so funny that, you know, after the first season of You, Penn Badgley was like, he said on Twitter and on the internet, like, oh, you're not supposed to love Joe. You're not supposed to like Joe. Joe's not a good guy. But then he just goes and gets cut as a motherfucker for season two. It's like, hey, Penn, you're not helping your case. But then again, that might have been a thing on the producers. They might have said, hey, do you think you could put on 15 pounds of muscle or whatever? Dude. If, if if somebody wanted to cast me to act in something, I want to be a model in a music video. I'm trying to fucking get beefed up, honestly. So, you know, I guess I'm just jealous. I want, I want to see that. I want to see that fucking... I want to do that. But yeah, you, season two, very good. Um, sorry for not putting a spoiler alert ahead of time, but spoiler alert... <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much that. I do kind of want to talk about BoJack Horseman, the new season, but I'm going to talk about that once the whole season is available and I can watch it and digest it and, and uh, process it all at once. So, yeah, I guess, I guess that'll be that for now. Million X Girlfriends. Oh, one last thing I wanted to mention. Tyler, the Creator, won a fucking Grammy. That's awesome. Now, it is a little upsetting how he basically created a pop album. Or the closest thing that Tyler, the Creator, could create to a pop album. And yet, it was still nominated for Best Rap Album. I've had a problem with this ever since I was a kid. Calling hip-hop music rap. 
I've always firmly believed that rap is a style of vocal delivery just like singing or yodeling or whatever. Um, yodeling is not a genre of music. Singing is not a genre of music. Rap should not be a genre of music. You could talk with a certain rhythm or pantameter and technically be rapping. Even without a beat. If you talk with a certain rhythmic diction, I feel like that's rapping. I feel like if you do spoken word even, that could technically be rapping. I feel like the music is hip-hop. Hip-hop is the music. Hip-hop is the genre. And rap is merely one of many vocal styles you could do over hip-hop. Many people sing over hip-hop music. You know, many people deliver vocals all kinds of way over all kinds of ways over hip hop music now, thanks to people like Tyler the Creator, or uh, you know Young Thug to a lesser extent. And it's just really upsetting. It almost feels derogatory or degrading to call these things rap. I once heard somebody describe rap as R A P. Retards attempting poetry. I don't like that. I really do not like that. I feel like maybe we're still too close to the beginning of rap. Maybe hip-hop, rap, hip-hop. Maybe we're still too close to it being socially acceptable to be incredibly racist. But I feel like we need to stop using the term rap when talking about music, especially in establishment like the Grammys. If they're going to be as it, like they they nobody should take the Grammys seriously, and I feel upset saying that because Tyler the Creator won a Grammy. But at the same time, we I just feel like we need to stop. Is there's a there's a it's almost like using the word rap and putting a stink on it is like giving it some sort of a, a delegitimization. I don't know. I think we should stop using the word rap. But anyway, that's my rant about that. Congratulations to Tyler, the creator. Igor is, in fact, one of the greatest albums of the last year. It's probably one of the greatest artistic statements of the decade, considering Tyler, the creator's arc through the 2010s. So... <clears throat> That's amazing. That's just great. I'm so glad he won that. I've always felt very spiritually connected to Tyler. Despite the fact that me and him have had very different lives. Listening to his music and how open and emotional and honest he's willing to be in his music. Helped me to sort of be an open, emotional and honest uh, a person. Helped me be more secure in myself. So... It's just very cool to see that the greatest breakup album I've ever heard win a fucking Grammy. That's just, that's great. Anyway, that's that. Million Ex-Girlfriends, Juan Sanchez, signing out for now. Until next time, take it easy. You know, um... Last episode, I just kind of rambled and did a complete train wreck. 
Oh, I forgot to, I forgot to read the second part of the story. Fuck it. I'll read the second part of the story on the next episode. Two weeks down the road. So yeah. I will catch you all later. Uh, take it easy. Wash behind your ears. Keep your legs clean. Um, call your friends. Don't stay in the house by yourself. Don't this weekend. Don't don't do that shit. If you feel like you need to get out, if you feel like you need to talk to people, do that. Uh, the winter, it's it's a shitty it's a shitty time for a lot of people. And um, you know, there's only so much staying in your house can actually do for you. Try to keep your budget limited to twenty eight dollars if you're gonna go out. That's what I do. I stole that from a big dude in the kids' table song. Yeah. Anyway, peace.